Welcome to Leadership Arts Review, a dynamic podcast about the art and science of leadership. Join us as we explore a different leadership book each episode. We will help you navigate all the theories and strategies out there and find the elements that work for you. We will share what we liked, what we learned, and what we recommend. I'm Nitya. I'm Alyssa. I'm Kate. Today, we're so excited to be joined by a very special guest and our dear friend, Carmen Ekdahl, who is co-founder and president of a nonprofit called the Transformational Leadership Collaborative. In addition, she is the founder of Cop Coach, professional coaching for first responders, where she teaches how to healthfully integrate the difficult experiences first responders have each day with the rest of their lives. Welcome, Carmen. Hi, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see and speak with both of you. It's been way too long. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're so thrilled that you're our first official guest. And thank you also for picking today's book. Let's take a second to introduce all of our listeners to uh, what today's book is. Sure. We're going to talk about Living with a Seal by Jesse Itzler. It's a little bit of an unconventional leadership book, if you will. This This book tells the story of when he had a Navy SEAL live with him for a month. He had seen uh, or met this SEAL at a race and was so enamored and impressed with him that he sought him out, found a way to get in touch with him and said, I'll do whatever it takes to have you come and live with me for 30 days because whatever you have that keeps you so determined and motivated, I want some of that. And so he brought him into his home and his life and was shadowed by this seal. And the Navy SEAL's only condition was you have to do whatever I say whenever I say to do it, Yeah, Uh, whether it's a run in the middle the night or anything. So it's very interesting. Thank you so much for that. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing what made you pick this book? Well, like I said about the unconventional leadership, I found this book very engaging and it had lots of things that on the surface seemed about like physical commitment or determination, getting in shape and all that. Yes. But the mental aspect of it and how it affected not only how Jesse showed up uh, and what he learned about his body, but what he learned mentally about what he was actually capable of and how to navigate all of the challenges that came his way, right? Whether it was physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion, but still having to show up as a leader, make hard decisions, manage you know your family dynamics, all of those things. And it just made me think of, how we're leaders of our own lives and how do we show up for ourselves? How do these challenges and learning how much more we're capable of than we thought, how does that affect how we show up as leaders? That's awesome. And Alyssa, you and I were uh, new to the book. I'm curious what your reactions were. My initial reaction, I think, was what Carmen intended, which was, hmm, this is really different than the books that we've been choosing month after month. So I think it's kind of a great opportunity to take a little bit of a different turn and to take a look at this. And I think there's a lot of jumping off points for conversation here. 
It's just interesting for me as somebody who I definitely think that taking care of ourselves, physically taking care of ourselves and looking at that part of how we function in the world, getting enough sleep, making sure we're exercising, trying to eat healthily, like all of that is stuff that we don't necessarily talk about a whole lot as part of our leadership. So I think it's great to be putting that into the conversation. I don't love the exercise that gets you to the point you think you're going to die. So for me personally, (laughs) I had trouble relating to the extremes that he was putting Mm. himself to. I'm just curious to see how this conversation unfolds and to continue to, to explore it. Yeah. What do we think about the role of the extreme? I actually did some thinking on this too, around not that it has to be about exercise, like for anything in our lives where we're pushing ourselves, what would be the purpose of that? I'm also thinking of this quote somewhere in the book where they say, do something that sucks every day or do something that makes you uncomfortable every day, which has its pros and cons. How far is too far? And how do we as people and as leaders know what that is for us? I'm personally thinking about how do I push and challenge myself, but still know where the line is to be able to say, no, that's too much. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. And it it made me think about that a lot as well. That's one of the things that I found really interesting because there are these different philosophies, right? There's more of the positive intelligence and the Marie Forleo's and the Elizabeth Gilbert's, right? And then you right. have the seal <laughs> and you have like <laughs> the Gary V's of the world, right? Who are like, if you're not in pain and you're not suffering, then you're not accomplishing anything. <laughs> and, you know, it is interesting to see what resonates with each person and at least being open to exploring those lines and being willing to have some of that inner dialogue. If you're never getting to the edges of yourself, then you probably are leaving a lot on the table, right? As far as opportunity and growth and things like that and what, what you're truly capable of. On the other hand, if you feel like the only way you can grow in life and do anything is to be in constant pain and agony, then... <laughs> And you kind of lose the joy aspect of it too, because life isn't supposed to just be all pain, right? There's supposed to be some fulfillment and joy and pleasure. And I have to think, surely Seal has some joy in his life that you don't get a sense of what that might be in this book. (laughs) Right. Because it's these 31 really intensive days for this specific purpose. So you don't really get to see the the rest of Seal's life. That's true. Right. Right. Although it is written as if this is his life, the way he's described sitting and staring in to the distance, even on the plane where you realize when they get off the plane that he's made a note of who's sitting in each seat and all Mm. of that. So there's some of the way he's portrayed in this book that this Mm -hmm. is the way he lives his life. And he does it with a very specific focus. Right. For a specific reason. Whereas Jesse, as you said, Carmen, he's like, I want some of that. So he's going through this more limited experience. And then it's his opportunity to take this really intense time and then see what are the lasting effects and what does he want to integrate then into his ongoing life? Yeah, I think that like for Jesse, it was this learning of what am I capable of beyond what I ever imagined? And then translating that into, because Jesse already is not afraid of risk. I mean, he's pretty fearless about, Mm -hmm. I decided I wanted to do this and he just went out and did it and was just completely fearless in chasing his entrepreneurship 
entrepreneurial dreams or changing directions and having strategies or whatever. So for him, being able to level up even to a whole nother level and learn that he's capable of even more, I'm sure translated into some personal growth, some business approach growth, and of course, physically. Whereas I think for Seal, it's my understanding from, and I don't, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's my understanding from his backstory that he did suffer great loss of comrades. And so he was committed to doing all of this running and and all of these races and service to his fallen friends, right? So Seal, his drive for all of this is way totally different. And that's what I meant with my comment about talk about creating impact. A lot of this pain and and, and challenging thing comes from a, a place of service. It makes me feel a little like I want to give him a hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, you're a badass. And do you have to suffer this? much like I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, you can you can see his humanity is what I'm hearing in that. You see the humanity behind that and the purpose behind what he's doing, right. which is I think what makes any stories like this compelling, any stories of sort of extreme achievement, it's it depends on the why. If it resonates at all, that's what resonates versus just the fact that someone does extreme things. It's like, oh, that's cool if you do extreme things, but why do you do it? And that's when you see their their humanity. Mm-hmm. One thing that you could translate into how as leaders does this translate is SEALs living in a defensive mode, right? Like he's pointing at other drivers. He's buying this blow up raft for Jesse and his family so that if there's a lockdown in the city, they can hop on the river and escape, which I actually thought was pretty ingenious. I'm like, maybe I should have one of those for the Chattahoochee in Atlanta in case there's a (laughs) lockdown here. Right. So like when they're at the restaurant in Atlanta and he's like, I don't like that waiter. So everything is about being aware. And so as leaders, where is it anticipating things that can come up and where do you cross over to leading from a place of fear based? Leading from a place of fear and everything is a threat. Mm-hmm. And right. and where is that balance between what you were talking about, Carmen, of defense versus offense versus choosing our direction? Where do we want to go and how do we want to do it as opposed to this is what we're up against and it's all about getting over that hill or getting around that barrier? Right, right. Yeah, there's, there's even a quote, I think, from Seal in the book that fear and anger are the biggest motivators. And I remember that was one that made me kind of go, huh, because it's a motivator motivator in this defensive sense that you're talking about, Alyssa. But at the same time, it's, I feel it's a short-term motivator. And so you can burn out pretty quickly if you're going from a place of fear and Mm -hmm. anger. It can kind of kickstart you, but then you'll probably fizzle out pretty quickly because it's so draining. Whereas if you have some sort of higher purpose driving you, that can probably give you more endurance. Yeah. And I mean, you know, again, he's a Navy SEAL and that's what SEALs are trying to do, right? So he's he's doing, and, and the military in general, but especially Navy SEALs, that's what they're trained to do is to recognize threats and mitigate those threats and or defeat them if they have to. <laughs> but is that a place to live from every day, you know, all the time or lead from that place? So it was interesting. I don't know if either one of you remember the movie Harvey. I think it's from like the 1940s or 50s with Jimmy Stewart, where he has this imaginary friend that's a bunny rabbit that only he can see named Harvey. Yeah. It kind of made me, I mean, not that I think SEALs like a bunny, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> but it just was like everywhere with him. It went everywhere with him. And then even like Meet Joe Black yeah. with Anthony Hopkins and Brad Pitt, right? Where is death? Brad Pitt is, but again, going everywhere with him, following him around everywhere. And so I was like, well, from Jesse's standpoint, as he's trying to lead a company, lead a business and grow business and lead his family, lead his life, having this alter ego almost of like, in his case, it would be your, his inner, inner, uh, warrior. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I was trying to think of a word that wasn't a cuss word. Warrior, thank you. His inner warrior that he can kind of like, oh yeah. So what would my inner warrior say here? How can I make a decision? How can I show up with more active language in this scenario and not be too passive? Like when Seal and the basketball player hit it off and they ended up not talking about business stuff, hardly any, and yet he did get the business because this other relationship, like he didn't see that coming. So being able to translate some of that into where does it make sense? and how to use that in leadership decisions. Yeah, I love that, Carmen. When and where can we be calling on our inner warrior for that wisdom, for that motivation, maybe for a kick in the rear, because sometimes that's what we need. Yeah. Or for just some, um, some championing. As mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And like, like I said before, Jesse was already pretty risk, wasn't afraid to take risk, but I think he's towards the end of the spectrum on that, on his risk levels, pretty high. Most people, entrepreneurs even, or, or just business people don't always have a risk threshold that high. So I could see where it could be even more valuable for them to be able to tap into that inner warrior that when you get to the edge of yourself, isn't afraid to give a little, a little shove or a little reassurance that you're capable of way more than you think you are. Yeah. That was something that kind of came out of this for me when he talks about just that idea, Carmen, that we don't always see our own capabilities objectively. And we might get a lot of feedback from different parts of our lives, but there are times, you know, where are we thinking that we're working to the best of our abilities and where is there a possibility to do just a little bit more? I am curious where the statistic comes from that we're only using 40% of our capabilities, but regardless of where it comes from, that that mindset can be really useful, even if you're not talking about specifically 40%, but just that idea of where can I push myself? Where am I capable? And just going from the mindset of I am capable of more. So what does that look like? as opposed to kind of sitting and saying, I've, I've hit my limit. That was interesting to me, that idea of that inner warrior coming from within that can push you and say, there's more that's possible Mm -hmm. because so often we're looking for external sources to tell us what we're capable of and what's possible. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful point. How do we grow that muscle ourselves and not always require so much external? That's part of what I, you know, the term I use a lot about getting to the edges of ourselves. You know, when we start feeling that sensation of it's too much or it's too hard or it's too uncomfortable, being able to be in that discomfort of it and be on that edge and learn how to self-encourage or self-belief to say, I can, or I'm going to. Yeah, right. <laughs> like this is the uh, the going from outside to in, right? It's a uh, do the behavior, and then the mindset will follow. Um, right. This book, of course, focuses on the physical fitness 
side of that. So it makes me think for our listeners, what is that for you? Maybe it is physical fitness, in which case you'll really relate to the book. Um, but if it's not that, you know, what's, what are the fears holding you back? Like what is your equivalent of that level of physical exertion? Is it speaking in front of a crowd of a hundred people? Is it asking for something that you need? Is it being vulnerable with somebody? Like I think it could be helpful to identify what the equivalent is in your world and say like, you could work up to it inch by inch, step by step, nothing necessarily wrong with that. But what could open up for you if you just kind of jumped in the deep end and and see what happens? Uh, It might be scary, it might not go the way you want. (laughs) But it'll be interesting. And you'll probably learn something from it and probably go further than you thought you could, even if it doesn't go perfectly. Right, right. I know. And you know, sometimes I remind myself, okay, there's not going to be a firing squad waiting outside, right? (laughs) If I if I try this and it doesn't work out, or if I have this conversation and it doesn't go the way I want, or if I ask for this promotion or this raise and the answer is no, right? At least I've asked for what I need or want. At least I went for it. At least there's always learning, always. And then now I know for for next time. Yeah. And when we have these epic stories going through our heads and we don't let any other characters in, then we miss, we probably miss some opportunities. And even if we miss opportunities that, as you said, Carmen, don't go the way we want. I always think back to the first day of the coach training that we went through. And I know we did it in different places and at different times, but one of the leaders just introduced this concept of the ta-da moment. You might make a really silly mistake, or you might do something that totally doesn't go the way you want it to. And you know what the next thing to do is? Just kind of throw your hands up and say, (laughs) ta-da. And it's that idea of, you know what? This is me and I'm going to try things. And Sometimes they're not going to work out. And then I move forward from there. I just Mm -hmm. say, you know what? Okay, that's what happened. And now I move forward. And as you've both mentioned, there's learning in that. And we have to be vulnerable and willing to take in the learning. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I I would be remiss if I didn't at least bring up Sarah, um, his wife, right? Like the, the founder of Spanx and her story in itself is amazing to, to say, you know, it came out of a need, right? Which they say a lot of successful entrepreneur endeavors come out of somebody just finally acting on an existing need. And she did and it took off, but like she kept her day job for a long time and still believed in what she was doing and selling and went out there and and did it and kept having the conversations and selling. And, you know, she got to plenty of edges and she had thought she was going to go to law school and fail the LSATs twice. She could have given up, but she just carried on and made these decisions and was completely comfortable and un, un, I don't want to say unaffected, but by SEAL. She was just completely comfortable and unfazed, I guess. Although I love, she was the one I re- she was the one I related to when she just had some of those looks and some of those responses of just, what are you doing? Yeah. And this is ridiculous when it got to certain points of physical exertion, like the jumping in the frozen lake and things like that. I was like, there's a voice of reason. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like your there's your inner warrior voice, and then there's also probably an, an, another voice that's there to tell you <laughs> how right. much is too much. But I I'm so glad you brought up Sarah because uh, Sarah Blakely is her name, mm-hmm. right? Because as much as some of the stuff uh, Seal and Jesse were doing were pretty extreme and, and sometimes ridiculous, this journey that you described, Carmen, of her starting Spanx and continuing to work her day job and and really hustling is its own form of exertion and requires a ton of grit and perseverance. So mm-hmm. why, while it may not have been physical in a literal sense, she had her own journey of pushing herself and getting to that place. And so it it may look different for all of us, but it's it's still pushing ourselves to to greatness. Right. And so the, the other muscle that to me that brings up kind of circles back around to something we discussed earlier is really the muscle of discernment. When you're getting to an edge or uh, an area of discomfort or uncertainty, having the discernment to say, let me look here and see, am I backing up from the edge and walking away and leaving opportunity on the table because of whatever insecurity, risk aversion, whatever the case may be? Or am I saying, no, actually, it's none of those. I just truly am not interested or I just... Yeah truly don't believe that this is going to have the impact or it's not in alignment with my why. Like I read this thing about sleeping on the floor one night a week to keep it real and make sure you be okay with being uncomfortable. And I was like, uh, no, my discernment (laughs) voice says I don't need to sleep on the floor to prove that I've got grit and I'm willing to be uncomfortable and I'll no, because I I need my sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And resting is a foundational part of being healthy to me. And so I don't need that to prove to myself, but there might be some other thing that I'm willing to do, like, you know. That other people would reading list, Carmen. I'm sorry. I I know your reading list. (laughs) I know. I know. I think that's. I think that that's from the book called The Five O'Clock Club. Oh, about getting up at five a.m. and Mm -hmm. doing all these things. And you know what? I did try it. I was already getting up at five thirty in the mornings to you know meditate and exercise and all that. And I tried the five o'clock and just getting up that thirty minutes earlier created so much angst about going to bed on time. And then I wasn't sleeping well because I was so worried about waking up at five o'clock and so worried about whether I got enough sleep. Even my husband was like, oh my God, like you're like becoming obsessed in a bad way Mm. with sleep and what time you're going to bed and all that. And so I said, okay, I'm not doing this in a healthy way. So I backed off and I might try it again, but we'll see. I think Carmen, you bring up such a great point about what we talk about so much around personal leadership, which is that willingness to try different things and being open, but then also being able to step back and say, okay, what from this works for me and what doesn't? Mm -hmm. And we can only do that when we are in touch with our own purpose and how we want to be of service and what impact we want to have that we don't just blindly follow somebody else's way of doing things, but we're open to learning about what has made other people successful or what other people have gained from different methodologies, different things like that. And 
we're also secure enough at our core to be able to say, you know what, I've never thought about that. And that has a positive impact. Or I've never thought about sleeping on the floor a day a week. And yeah, that's not going to continue my movement in the direction that I want to go. Yeah. And that comes back to finding alignment with your why, like Nithya said earlier, right? What are your values? What are you committed to? What is it that you're trying to achieve? Like for me with Cop Coach or with Transformational Leadership Collaborative, what has me show up as my best? Where am I stretching myself? What am I learning? I enjoy collaboration. So it's harder for me to do the solopreneur stuff. So I have to make decisions there frequently. How much energy can I put to that? What does my work style look like? Where can I stay in alignment with the service that I want to provide and grow myself, but not go so far beyond that I'm not staying true also to my strengths? Yeah, Carmen, I'm happy you brought up your cop coach work because as we said in the intro at the beginning, in addition to still working at a regular job, you founded your own business and you're the president of a nonprofit. And so you're definitely, I think, hustling in your own amazing way. And of course, I can't help drawing parallels between the SEAL, the training and fitness that's required for that, and the level of training and fitness required for a lot of the people you support in your work who are first responders. So I imagine there was some kind of a personal connection that you had there. Um, Could you elaborate a little bit on that and and where you see some of these themes show up in your cop coach work? Well, from the physical aspect, I have this motto that says, when I serve my body, my body serves me. So from the physical fitness piece, I try to exercise regularly and try to push myself or have my trainer, you know, I'm committed to working out with the trainer three times a week, even when I'm busy or whatever, I try to stick to that. And I try to eat decently. I would say I probably live the 80-20 rule. (laughs) So from that aspect, because I do very much believe I can feel the difference of when I'm taking care of myself, how I have more physical energy, but also how I feel as a leader of my own life, because health is a value for me. And being in nature is very grounding for me. Like it, it just fills me up. So to go for a hike, it's very beneficial to me for more than just the physical aspect of going for a walk. But it also, when I translate that into other areas, it absolutely helps me continuously use and work and develop that muscle of discernment. Because I am I tend to be a yes person. People usually tend to be no, like their first response to thing is no, and then they have to kind of back up and warm up to the idea and think about it and then they might come back around, which is great. And then there's people like me who are yes people who just want to say yes to everything and then kind of have to back up and say, well, actually, you know, maybe it's too much or whatever, or, or the yes is coming from the wrong reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So learning to develop that muscle of discernment where do I need to say yes? Where do I need to back up and say no? How as a leader, do I want to work with my strengths, but also be willing to develop those weaknesses. And because I am a yes person or tend to be very collaborative by nature in these areas, I've had to be a little bit more of a leadership role of needing to offer up the strategy and the direction and hold to that and make sure, especially like in transformational leadership, 
Leadership Collaborative in the nonprofit, right? There's a whole group of us. So being collaborative, everybody has a voice and a vote and it's not a tyranny, (laughs) (laughs) but also being able to step into the leadership role of making sure we kind of stay on track with our mission and our goals and timelines and those types of things. So it's, uh, and measuring the risk and, and seeing where, okay, if we're spending too much time on this, then we're going to miss the opportunity for that. So in, in terms of this book, it very much, you know, like from Jesse, I'm, I'm picking up the, okay, where can I be more open to dare to know, dare to have an opinion, dare to go for it, even in the face of uncertainty. And where can I be more like seal of saying, even if it's uncomfortable, because I believe in the why, because I believe in the mission, willing to push myself more than I thought I could without getting to the point of running with broken feet, like he actually did, right? He ran with broken toes, broken feet. So in regards to emergency responders, I look at specifically right now, we're developing some training for law enforcement. There's been so much shift over the last several years, but especially the last year, like all came to a head, right? Between the pandemic and the social justice issues, and then more stuff coming out about implicit bias and things like that. And, and law enforcement was already having, you know, these shifts over the last few years around the 21st century policing and slowly starting to have more conversations about the mental health aspect. Suicide rates among military and law enforcement are almost epidemic levels. More police officers are lost to suicide than in the line of duty. That's a really powerful thing. So to be able to see that and to still be resistant to well, there's no space to talk about emotions or mental health. So there's been this undercurrent of we have to find a way to have those conversations. And so part of what I am trying to do, either through these trainings and the nonprofit and my own work and and coaching is a little bit of myth busting, right? That actually it's very attractive to know who you are and know what your emotions are and be able to have healthy conversations about what's going on for you. And everything doesn't have to be super clinical or have this fear around it of that in some way you're going to be told that you're less than or that you're not fit for duty for people who want to devote their lives to this service. So it's a little bit of myth busting in that way, a little bit of trying to have different ways to have the conversations and have healthier ways to address some of the mental health and emotional outlets. So we're bringing in some behavioral science stuff, um, some neuroscience. Our aim is to help law enforcement officers become neuro ninjas. Yeah, I know, right? They'll get a t-shirt and everything. So... Love it. Because they're suffering and they're, they're leaders. They're leaders every day. Every time they put on a uniform and step outside, they're in a leadership role. And they're seen to be someone with a moral authority. So them being able to be their healthiest and happiest and have a sense of it's okay to look at bias. 
it's, it's a real thing. Everybody has it. It's okay to look at it. It's not about going in and making somebody wrong, but let's talk about it. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it's so cool to hear about the work you're doing and so interesting to see that in these lines of work that involve daily threat, um, also involve the daily need to step into leadership and how knowing yourself and being vulnerable doesn't make you less of a leader. It doesn't make you weak. Um, right. It's amazing work right. you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, it's hard to, because when you're, you're having to make split second life and death decisions, I get it that that's not the time for you to be able to say, I'm going to need to step back for a minute. I need to think this through and <laughs> right. Like, so that's where that muscle memory and all of that training comes in to just react and respond. So there's that training aspect, creating the really good muscle memories there. But then there's the, when you're not on duty or in service, if you're military to be able to step out of that, always being in a responsive mode. And now how can I co-create what's happening around me outside of the uniform. And now to put this book on the tree of leadership wisdom. Is this book at the roots, foundational knowledge? Is it at the trunk, main body of practical wisdom? Or is it branches and specific tools? So when thinking about where this book would fit on the tree, my thought is really that it's a branches book, that it's looking at one person's very specific experience and then seeing how that could resonate with us and what as an individual we might want to put into action, some actual tactics and strategies. So for me, this is a very particular way of looking at one aspect of our leadership as humans. So I would put this in the branches. I'll agree with you, Alyssa. For me, this is a branches book as well uh, for similar reasons. And what I'll add is that it's very practice focused and it kind of takes the position that doing the practices may then impact your mindset or influence your mindset. So I think there is a world in which doing the practices in this book or doing the equivalent or, or you know, analogous practices in your life and pushing yourself a little bit and going to your edge would then create hopefully a virtuous cycle in your mind. But I think it leads from the practices versus leading from the mindset. And so I would categorize it as a branch. That said, I think there were definitely things about this around the 40% of your potential and the power of the mind that I think definitely have some, some more foundational components to them. Mm -hmm. I actually would agree with both of you that I, I too think it's, it's a branches book and the the piece that I would add is what really resonates for me is about the challenges, right? Is where do I want to, where do I need to challenge myself? Where would provide the most value, but also what am I in service to and what is the impact I want to have? And that's the big thing that I got from SEAL. This is how he's living out his commitment to how he wants to serve in the world and the impact he wants to create. And it is in this more extreme measure that doesn't necessarily everybody can't live up to or, or isn't as interested in, but what is that for you? And what is it that you're in service to at such a level that you're willing to challenge yourself beyond what you think you're capable of? In Jesse's case, you know, where, where are you willing to be even more uncomfortable, take even more risk and um, be even more daring? And now it's think away time. Each of our hosts will leave us with one thought, idea, question, 
question or practice to think about and take away. I know the next thing we were going to talk about is the thinkaways. And I think this is a natural bridge to that conversation, which is doing that evaluation of self as leading in your own life and leading in what other capacity, whether it's at work or as an entrepreneur or anything, even in other relationships is what am I in service to? What's the impact I want to have? And where do I need to challenge myself in service to those commitments? Great. My think away comes from what he says was part of his, what the author says was part of his motivation to do this crazy experiment, which was to shake things up. And so my think away sounds pretty simple. Look at where you are most comfortable and what could it look like to shake things up? Because just going from that mindset of this is really comfortable, what would shaking it up look like? And then see what the results are and what's the impact on your life and the impact then that you can have on others. My think away is actually inspired by something Carmen, you said earlier in our conversation around leaving opportunities on the table and how important it is for us to be aware of when we are doing that from a thoughtful place, knowing something isn't right for us, or when we're truly leaving something on the table because we're scared or because it's outside of our comfort zone. So my think away is a challenge to our listeners in the form of a question, which is what are you leaving on the table right now? Fantastic. Love it. Thank you so much again to Carmen Ekdahl for being our special guest for this episode. If you want to know more about Carmen or follow her work, you can find her on Instagram at cop underscore coach or on cop-coach.com. This was Leadership Arts Review. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review wherever you find your podcasts. You can find more information and additional resources on our website at podcast.leadershipartsreview.com and continue the conversation by following us on Twitter under leadership underscore arts and Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under Leadership Arts Review. Leadership Arts Review is a 4 Impala production. Music adapted by 4 Impala from Nathaniel Wyvern's Sanctuary of the Sky Gods under license.